0: Hi, welcome to Madison Bookbeat. I'm Angie Trudel vasquez Today we have the pleasure of speaking with poet Nikki Walshlager about her third collection of poetry, Water Baby, published by Copper Canyon Press out of Port Townsend, Washington. Welcome, Nikki. I am so happy to have you here, and I would like to read your brief bio and the back jacket to set the tone okay. for our discussion and, okay. and to let listeners know what is coming up next. Um, So I will read your portions here about the author. Nikki Walsh Ligger is a black poet who currently lives in the Driftless region of Wisconsin, enjoying country life and its many strange synchronicities and surprises. You can find her on Twitter at Nikki M. Walls, where she welcomes respectful conversation and correspondence. This is her third book. And then the back jacket. In her astounding third collection, Nikki Walschlager turns to water, the natural element of grief, to trace history's interconnected movements through family, memory, and day-to-day survival. Water Baby is about blackness, language, and motherhood in America, about the ancestral joys and sharp pains that travel together through the nervous system's crowded riverways about the holy sanctuary of the bathtub for a spirit that's pushed beyond exhaustion. Water Baby sings the blues in every key as Walsh Lager's vibrant lexicon and varied rhythms condense and expand emotion, hurry, and slow meaning to communicate the profound simultaneity of righteous dissatisfaction with an unjust world and radical love for what's possible. So, Nikki, it's so nice to have you here. It's Um, great to be here. I loved your book, and I would like you to open with the epitaphs. And if you could read those and tell us why you chose those two.
1: Jack? Losers, like Otto de Dax, always know much more than winners. If you want to win, you need to know just one thing and not waste your time on anything else. The pleasures of erudition are reserved for losers. The more a person knows, the more things have gone wrong. Well. And that's from Umberto Eco. And the second epitaph is, When I'm singing blues, I'm singing life. And that is from Etta James.
0: Hmm. S- so why? So, um, yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, so the first epitaph, um, I just I remember coming across that, I'm like, that's perfect, because when you've been through a lot, you can't help but see and experience like um many you know, a reality that, you know, the mainstream is not going through like a thing the kind of things that Someone has to do in order to survive mm-hmm. And you know Those kind of people tend to be The quote unquote losers Of society, the mm-hmm. outcast mm-hmm. The freaks and all that And they have to, they have no choice But to carve out a way of their own
2: mm-hmm.
1: In order to survive And that you know involves Directly learning from life Or else you know you're, you're not gonna Survive In a way that is true to you In a way that you, know, you have to grow your own dignity, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So,
0: mm-hmm. yeah, ah, nice, nice. I was thinking about that. I'm thinking, how do I understand that? But I, I like your explanation, and and I love the blues, Nikki. I do. Um, so tell us about this one from Etta James.
1: Well, I love her. <laughs> <laughs> she's <laughs> she's fabulous, and I love you know I I just love the blues, and that's like a. One of the main threads that's running throughout this book is when I was listening to a lot of blues music while I was writing this because it seemed like the only thing that made sense Mm
2: -hmm. to
1: try to articulate my grief.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And you know, the blues isn't you know, there's there's a lot of you know, there's grief and there's longing and there's there's desire, which you know are just such a major component of living. Mm -hmm. Life directly and not Mm -hmm. running away from it and being able to express that. So, I mean, it Mm -hmm. is, you know, to me, it's like a very, you know, like visceral Mm -hmm. and realistic way to express what is going on emotionally, um, spiritually, and physically.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 If you come to Madison, you'll have to check out our blues collection because, yeah, we have a deep one. That's great. Thank you so much. The other mm-hmm. thing I think about, Nikki, is um, when I talk to people is I like to talk about the the journey of the book. Can you tell us how this book came to be and, and what was its particular journey, being your third book?
1: Oh. Yeah. Well, um, while I was writing this book, my grandmother died, mm. and she was my primary caregiver growing up, so... um I have never had someone, like a parent or caregiver that close to me, die, so my whole life changed. I mean, mm-hmm. everything changed. How I thought about myself, my childhood, my memories, um, where I was going. So this book, um, really the impetuous, is is her passing. and like, you know, trying to honor her and grieve and all the other things that are going on with myself, Mm -hmm. Um, like Mm -hmm. being a mother and just trying to process all these different things and finding myself, you know, as a black woman Mm -hmm. in America, you know, and all this kind of revolved around, you know, her, her Mm death, you know, and feeling like truly on my own for, like, the very first time without having her Mm -hmm. in my life.
0: Oh, that's beautiful. I've wondered, I I looked at the book and who it was in honor of, Mm -hmm. and I thought, I wonder if that's her grandmother. But I get it. Grandmothers are so precious. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. Well, Mm -hmm. before we have you go into reading the poems, I want to ask you about the cover of the book. And because our audience is listening. I'm going to ask you to describe the cover, and then and tell us why this particular image. Why did you choose this photo? <laughs> sure. Well, the
1: cover is um, well. It's a photograph of me. About I think I was maybe four or five. I think four. Um, but I'm standing outside of um, the home that I grew up in. In the background are some dark green concrete steps, and I'm wearing an Easter dress. Um, It's a a white pinafore, and then underneath that is um, a purple, a light purple um, first layer, and I'm holding, like, a little white purse, and I'm wearing white (laughs) tights. Yeah, (laughs) I'm wearing white tights, and, like, White patent leather mm-hmm. Mary Jane, mm-hmm. and I'm wearing purple. Bow in my hair. Mm-hmm. Um, I think my grandma took this picture because mm-hmm. she usually took the pictures in the family of me. Um, the sun is hitting my eyes, so I'm kind of squinting a little bit. I picked this photo because I knew I had a connection to my grandmother, and mm-hmm. you know, this is. You know, where it all
2: starts. Mm-hmm.
1: hmm You know, looking towards the future when you're that young and
2: mm-hmm.
1: seeing the light and seeing the brightness, but not knowing where it's going to lead you or how it's going to lead you. hmm And also, too, I mean, her death meant like the end of any sort of childhood lingering innocence that I still held within myself, I guess.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. That's that's a deep. I mean, it's it, it's adorable. It's an adorable picture. And I was thinking Easter, because that's when we would put on all the white. But the the, the white Mary Janes are just are adorable. Yeah. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> this makes me think, Nikki, like how old were you when you started writing poetry? Were you four years old? Oh, no. Um, I started writing poetry when I was in high school. But before then,
1: um, my mom always read books. So English um, English class and reading and writing came, you know, very easily to me.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But I started um, writing stories in second grade, but it wasn't until I was in high school that I started to write poetry. It just it felt more immediate, mm-hmm. you know for the things I was going through,
0: you know, like Mm -hmm. puberty and all that, Mm -hmm. boys. Yes. Right. um, Yeah. (laughs) Feeling misunderstood, you know, Mm -hmm. angst,
1: all those kind of things.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's great. I always ask folks, like, when did you start writing, you know, because I I find that interesting, Um, and being a poet, too. All right, well, we're going to get right into it. I have marked many, many pages of the poems I'd like you to read. And we won't okay. be able to get to all of them. But I thought we would start with the very first poem, Nobody's okay. Special. And I was, I know you're a well-read poet, and I was just thinking of some of the, um, you know, the things that come up in your work. But let's start with Nobody's Special. And while you turn to that, I'll remind people, they're listening to Madison Bookbeat. We're speaking with poet Nikki Walschlager about her third collection of poetry, Water Baby, that came out of Copper Canyon Press. You go ahead and read. Okay.
1: Nobody's special. Pick up my candles and dust them. I don't know when the spirits get in. Housework is done by nobody special. That's the way it's always been. Been working since I was a babe. I come home now and work for free. Housework is done by nobody special. That's the way it's always been. I'm nobody special, nobody special. A washerwoman serving the cream. Homemade confetti ready for them, playing with what they think of me. I'm nobody special, nobody special. Seamstresses weaving our chains. No day off in a month of November. Busy making overalls. For your game. Dress up my candles and light them. I have a long, long night ahead of me. Housework is done by nobody special. That's the way it's always been. Been working before I was born, mother waiting on tables with me. Housework is done by nobody special. That's the way it's always been. I'm nobody special. Nobody's special, waiting for some answers tonight, hoping somebody will hear me out. Although oh, light keeps flickering, flickering.
0: Nice. I really like the um, refrain, the anaphora of nobody's special. Reminded me a little bit of Emily Dickinson as well. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Nice. Well, we're starting with that one. And yes, housework. Like, you can be a famous poet, but you still got to do your dishes, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You still got to clean. All right, we're going to segue. And we don't want to have you read every poem in here because we want people to go buy the book. But let's read Prayer Sonnet on page 17. Okay. Yeah.
1: Prayers on it, sewn up again in a data harvest meadow, moving through me as pelvic bull thunder. To learn how to laugh at their indifference, revenge of the chattel is not being shown in the popular gendarme art houses. Blood heavy as iron, binding us together. Public wordplay is called getting dragged. Violence is a daily metaphor. In our very real world, these solvent metaphors are true. Hell investigates life with great opportunity. My little candle mouth kindling for the wounded. When the stars are committed to the worst timing, and no one wants to get out of bed in the morning.
0: Hmm. I have been feeling that through the pandemic, Nikki. Yeah, <laughs> 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 And I have to just say, yeah, absolutely. I um, There's words, you know, I see that I read that I never know how to pronounce, so I didn't know how to pronounce gendarme, gendarme, yeah. Uh, let's go to 19. I thought that was an interesting one because um, being a political human being myself, I thought the WART listening audience should hear this poem. Okay.
1: jean State of Mind. When you keep repeating a lie, people will accept it as truth. But underneath that feeling is a merciful border that never existed. Splitting the familiar stone tablets when we grind our teeth at night and wake up in the morning tired. There's a lot of work to get done Love and devotion are strange deities, or notoriously indirect with their instruction. It happens when you focus on somebody while walking, the trees straining towards each other, and past the filling villages made from our kin.
0: Hmm. Thank you. So that is the definition of the title, I guess. Right? This poem. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
1: it's like one. The opposite of déjà vu. It's like when, you, mm. and, and sort of you feel like you're reliving a memory, it's like the world itself feels like you're reliving it.
0: Mm. That's so deep. Thank you. Yeah. We're going to segue to the page twenty. Women are doomed to be the angels of love. And I found this one really interesting as you turned it because it has such long lines and our listeners mm-hmm. can't see, but the other ones that you've been reading are shorter lines. Yeah. yeah, and I always find it interesting to focus on why did the poet choose short lines versus long lines?
1: Oh, well, I found out um, when I really have something to really go off about, like <laughs> I have a tendency to write in longer lines. so. This one turned out to be that way. Okay.
2: Okay.
0: Poet's choice.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Women are doomed to be the angels of love. This is so true, I involuntarily doodle hearts everywhere I go. I sign my letters compulsively with hearts, dream of disobedient hearts, work with hearts. I eat them. I boil sauces and the tomatoes on my cutting board form a daisy chain heart. My feet are bound in red ballet slippers, Lisa Frank style, engorged with crusty satin hearts. I pronounce my name with an embarrassingly hearty accent. My colostrum pools with the plumping of an inflamed heart, inspired by the nutritional needs of my babies. Hearts are spray painted on trains like talismans, guiding me eventually to the heart afterlife, where my treasured friends exist in heart time, drinking wine and organizing a workers' collective named Heavenly Valley Emotional Workers, in the mossy hidden heart clouds, where my restless heart tires, of hearing famous singers singing sweetly about unsatisfying love in the grocery store, when their hearts can be screaming about environmental devastation and global capitalism. The way this callous dorm pillow I saw online plastered with hearts and dream catchers says, only good vibes, is in no way related to what the hearts of this country really need. On good days, I submit to being a committed student of the heart. On bad days, I am paranoid and anxious about my heart being kidnapped by intruders in blue uniforms. And how a scene in Indiana Jones in the Temple of Doom, where the sacrificial victim's heart gets ripped out, and one of Hollywood's stereotypical cinematic presentations of indigenous culture sent me a message about men who are so powerful they could take what they want from my body with their bare hands. Where do bad folks go when they die? asks Kurt Cobain on my favorite Nirvana album. I replace folks with hearts and marvel at the candor of strange, smarmy men on TV who want to be president. So I have no clue being part of the community is different from purchasing investments in a city. My heart is stone sore. My heart wants to close forever to protect me from market combat. But as a woman bred for strength and openness, I like options. I'm pretty good at the precarious art of choosing what gets in. Since doom makes the great
0: gatekeeper.
1: It's rainwater and a vase of roses on a sleeping hero's
0: grave. Mm. There's so much goodness in here, Nikki. Thank you so much. Thank you. I, I feel this one. I like the long lines. Um, <laughs> it, it's just so good. You know, before I have you read another poem, I was noticing when I was looking at your table of contents that the way it's structured they're not titled but there's a mark in between and after Mm -hmm. every mark the beginning poem of that section is set off by white space from the other poems and and being someone who really likes to look at the white space I have to ask you did you do that did the publisher do that and and why why is that first poem of every section set off like that in the table of contents
1: oh well We were trying to decide how to section my book, and my editor suggested to me that I start each each section with a blues poem, so that's what we did.
0: Nice. Nice. (laughs) I don't know if other people will notice that, but I do, I really do look at the table of contents, because to me, they're like a poem by themselves, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Nice. All right. Well, let's segue to It's a Daisy on page 24. Um, or excuse me, 22. It's page
1: 22. It's a Daisy. Bats twin in the sky, drowsy from billing home to watch Night Court. I, Nikki, as a contemporary woman, and bound to ask who's spiraling in the faucet. If you keep no-lie relaxers on your hair past the suggested time frame, the original crimple pattern becomes more defiant. Memories won't comfort me. Perhaps it's best not to trust the politics of people who haven't washed their own dishes in 20 years. Oh, missile management, I request a transfer for the masses. A happy hollowing cocktail, showing instead of telling this country that I cannot with you. A free daylight may be possible through your vault in us, I mean. Stems are still holding like a grown-up, but they snap. You pick me up, pour me another bath, A glass of something dry for the blisters. Read 10 Jones's hand grenade. Remember that I'm not the only one.
0: And cry. Nice. Thank you. That's great. So, Nikki, I want to take a little break from reading some of the other poems. And I want to ask you about uh, what would you tell a young poet who wants to write poetry? What what suggest would you have given yourself or someone coming to you and saying, how do I be a poet, Nikki? <laughs> um,
1: don't worry about pleasing other people. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Don't worry about the audience.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> don't write poems for the audience. Write poems for you. Write what you need what you need as a poet, what you need as a person, and as a writer, and, you know, just do what you need to do. Get it out.
2: Nice. And the right
1: people, yeah, and the right people will understand, and more people than you think. Um, That's what I found out, and it still works for me. I rarely think about the audience,
2: you know, Mm -hmm.
0: Okay. you know. Mm-hmm. You, people don't know this but uh you've and uh, we have known each other for a while now, right? And yeah. <laughs> and we would hang out at Woodland Pattern and we'd hear these poets. Um what do you what is your thought about community building poetry or vice versa?
1: It's important. Um yeah, I mean, if it wasn't for Woodland Pattern, I wouldn't have figured out how to write books or that you know, my poetry could be something else besides my private scribblings in a book
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, but you also need that space you know for yourself Mm -hmm. alone to grow but Mm -hmm. you know to incorporate community into it as well. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah lots of thoughts. By chance Nikki are you going to AWP um, this year in Seattle?
1: Uh, no, I don't think so. I'm not, not going
0: to be able to go this year. Are okay. you going? I am, and we're doing a theme of community and poetry with Margaret Rosga, myself, and a, a few poets I know from my Seattle days. Um, oh, wonderful. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to it. I was hoping you might go, because I know this is the book we're talking about, but you have another book coming out, right? hmm That's in
1: 2024.
0: Okay, okay. Yeah. So we'll look forward to uh, that new book coming out, too. Awesome. Yep. And also yeah, Copper Canyon Press as well. Yes. Yeah, yep. It's
1: called. It's going to be called Hold Your Own. Nice. And it is. Yeah. And it's going to be um, the main theme about that book is feminine um, rebirth. <laughs>
2: oh,
0: <laughs> that is going to be good. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, I wanted to. You know, people are listening and they're driving or whatnot, and you know they may want to go buy your book or learn more about you. Do you have a website you can share with folks? Um,
1: well, my website's been under construction for quite some time. Okay. <laughs> I, need to, I need to build
2: a whole new one. <laughs> um,
1: but you can get my book on Copper Canyon website, www.coppercanyonpress.com. And I'm also on Twitter at Nikki M. Walls, N-I-K-K-I-M-W-A-L-L-S on there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm sure you can find my book on Amazon and mm-hmm. places
2: like
0: that. Yeah, it's widely available. I, and I want people to know Copper Canyon is a really big poetry press. So um, if they don't know that, they should know that. And now they're going to learn mm-hmm. that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we'll move to some poetry. Um, and how about we move to, I have these list of poems. Oh, I know. American Children, Nikki, on page Mm. 55. Okay. Yeah. American Children.
1: The children across the street are playing with chalk, and they take turns outlining their bodies on the ground. They write their names in pink, yellow, orange, green, tagging themselves. The boys are sitting on the steps with a platoon of action figures. They have a stick of red chalk and color bloody clouds around these toys, designed to resemble armed men with limitless, permanent strength. There are red winged blackbirds nearby, and they talk all day into the silence. And since it's only April, you can see their bodies exposed in the bare trees, taking their time for the next cycle. A few days ago, there was an armed man at large camped out in the woods behind my son's school, and the FBI set up a command center to find him. They found him quickly, and the children were safe this time. They know phrases from the stories they've seen on television and give the tiny toy men dramatic stories of heroic, violent deaths that end in silence. I'm not... Sure, the children understand what heroism could be, except that it involves weapons and blood on the ground and sacrifice. One of the first warm spring weekends, and it's normal for children to play with sticks of chalk and write their names on the plots of concrete where they live. But there are no innocent landscapes, like a giant sun with flowery arms or a house with chimneys. Or a dog barking, bow, wow, wow. It's just their little bodies splayed across the asphalt road while they outline each other. And the strangest thing of all is none of them are laughing or talking. They have become so silent, and the red-winged blackbirds talk above us about what we know nothing about until it comes.
0: Hmm. And on cue, we heard your little dog in the background. They knew it was their poem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yep. that's my little poodle. <laughs> that's great. That's great. I don't know where I'd be without my animals. Um, that's such a good poem, Nikki. And it's chilling at the end when they're so silent in the that's red your wing. story. It's so yeah. chilling, you know. And yeah. I, I know you live in the Driftless area, and um, you... you you know, and still yet, there was a man with a gun behind your children's home or school. That's yeah. just, just awful. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So the, this one poem I wanted to ask you to read is The Lunch Counter of Eternal Tears. Mm-hmm. And I thought um, it reminded me of so many other lunch counters. Um, so I want to ask you about the title. But if you could read this one um, and while sure. you get there. I'll remind people we're uh, listening to Nikki Walshleger read from her third collection, Water Babies, and you're listening to Madison Bookbeat. Okay, click find it here. Uh, page 57. The Lunch Counter of Eternal Tears.
1: Instead of crying on your shoulder, I cry on the internet. Instead of crying, I make allusions to crying by cherry-picking the subjects. Instead of crying on his shoulder, I build a fountain of black
2: amethyst
1: in an artificial square. Instead of crying, I ring the bells of a bottomless road. Instead of crying, I listen to Roy Orbison's crying because the way he waterfalls sings crying feels like a worn leather booth I wouldn't refuse me service. Instead of crying, I understand what I'm sacrificing for someone who's long gone. Instead of crying, I think of lurid romantic scenarios where I'm not crying and you're the one being insufferable when you think about me. Instead of crying, I listen to Put Your Head on My Shoulder by Paul Anka and I recognize how some songs I never about deep emotional connections with special people, but for getting into the pants of wooly virgins. Instead of crying, I put on Live Evil by Miles Davis to smudge the room of 1950s white nonsense. Instead of crying, Miles' trumpet screams like the last free lion dying alone in the wilderness. Did I lay my head on your shoulder and cry?
0: Hmm. Thank you, Nikki. I really liked how you described Roy Orbison's crying because of mm. the way he waterfalls things crying. It was really nice. Yeah, that's- Thank you. That's yeah. what it sounds like to me. It does, and yeah. I I really like that that song. And then feels like a, a worn leather booth that wouldn't refuse me service. Um, that is a reference to the the lunch counter that we know of in history. Do you wanna mm-hmm. talk about that title with this with this particular um, prose poem? Sure. Well, um,
1: gosh, this was a while ago. Um, maybe. Seven, eight years ago, me and my then husband, who's white, we were um, up in northern Wisconsin around Rhinelander, mm. and we went to a small diner because we were hungry <laughs> after camping,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and um, we were waiting there for like 20 minutes, and um, there, you know, it was busy and. But um, we saw um, the manager of, of the diner, because um, one of the waitresses was like, aren't you going to serve them or give them, you know, menus? Mm-hmm. And then my husband saw the manager um, take the waitress aside and tell her to put the menus down and not, not serve us. Mm. So, so mm. we ended up leaving after mm-hmm. 20 minutes. Yeah. Mm. So that kind of put in perspective, you know, the historical lunch counter of being black and being refused service, and then tying that in and still being refused service in, you know, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: the 21st century. Mm -hmm. So that's that's what, you know, inspired me to write that poem
0: was having that, you know, going through that. It's a good poem. It's a really good (laughs) poem and I and I saw the historic lunch counter when I was in DC recently
2: Mm.
0: and it was it's there in the American Natural History Museum and it's very evocative and then I read your poem and I think about the blues music you have in there and how all this art that we have that carries us that will continue to carry us and it's all interwoven in this book as you said Mm -hmm. every poem that starts a section is a blues poem and you just described a really painful experience in Rhinelander and mm-hmm. and uh being a, a brown woman married to a white man, when we go up north, Nikki he drives. Um Yeah. We, yeah. we go into these codes yeah. we go into these roles. Um mm-hmm. when we're in Chicago I drive, you know, because it's a city full of people of color. So we're yeah. constantly going back into these modes.
2: Mhm.
1: Yeah, yes. I'm very yeah. I'm very familiar with
0: that. (laughs) Yeah, I think we talked about it once in a cafe, you and I, a long time ago when I had less gray hair for sure. Yeah, I appreciate you sharing that um, because that is a painful story. And if Mm -hmm. if people are listening, you know, check your neighbors, you know, check your restaurants. And uh, I hope that they're not in business anymore because they had no idea that you're like this great historic poet. And uh, they should, you know, they should be ashamed. Because that is horrendous. But I've had that experience, too. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for sharing. All right, right, we'll, we'll go back to some poetry here. Um okay. Is there, a, I didn't ask you this, but is there a favorite poem that you're like, Angie, I need to read this poem to this WORT Madison audience. Um, is there a poem that you're dying to read out of this collection? I should have asked you before, before putting you on the spot.
2: Oh, okay. Um...
1: Yeah, um, I'll read my favorite blues poem. Okay, okay, that sounds great. Why do I feel so old when I look so young on page 51? Okay. Why do I feel so old when I look so young? Why do I feel so old when I look so young? Have a night of okay fun. And I feel better and younger. Refreshed, maybe lovelier. But in the morning, I feel just as old again. Hey friend, how are you? I see you're young too, around the same age as me. Look at those folks with their big boy pens and crooked chairs. They act younger than we do, and our lives are somewhere else, In faces even older than these. When I was younger, people thought I was older, so they did older people things to me. Said things too. Probably why I'm feeling old while I'm still looking young. Because of what older people did when I was little, should have known better not to do. Say, friend, I hear you too. Things happen to you. That's the way evil goes. Lets people do bad things. Don't know why that is, but the how is inside the what. Tying the ends of the who. Maybe we can stop it from going to the next someone. Yes, it's like that. The could've, the should've, and the would've. If I would've known then what I know now, maybe I could've got out of the way. But I was too young. And now I'm older. Outside the what and the who. But still inside the how and the why. Let me introduce my old-ass self. How do you do? My name is Young. Plus the last
0: time I loved without fear. Hmm. <coughs> it's a good one. Why is this your favorite poem, Nikki? I gotta ask.
1: Um. I think this just kind of gets down to my... Everyday philosophy, right of being compassionate and understanding, and that you know a lot of things that I've been through a lot so with a lot of other people mm-hmm. um, but we can try to you know to stop it from continuing, we can try to fix things
2: mm-hmm.
1: just like you know kindness and
2: mm-hmm.
1: developing good friendships with others and talking and, you know,
2: mm-hmm.
1: speaking, mm-hmm. right? I mean, those are some of the most important things you can do. I mean, not everybody can, you know, move mountains, but mm-hmm. those are you know, the kind of small pullers that you can help get out of the way for people so their lives are easier and, you know, and as you help others, you also help yourself.
0: right. Right. Hmm. I have my favorite poems, too. They're like, you know, favorite children, though I don't have children, but I have favorite poems for different <laughs> reasons. Yeah. Yeah. So there's this poem that I really like the title. <laughs> I'm going to read the title. I'd come okay. back from the grave to celebrate the end of capitalism. That made me hoot. Well. <laughs> <laughs> and this is community radio station. So. Um, I think it's really appropriate that you read this poem. This is a community station. We are volunteers, um, myself and my husband, Devin, who's helping with the sound. Um, we do this because we believe in community radio and connecting with people. And um, poetry on the air is a rare thing. And asking a poet to read for like 50 minutes is so rare. We get maybe five or ten minutes. But on this show, on our show on Madison Bookbeat, we get to luxuriate in the words of a gifted writer like yourself and hear poems and hear the inside of the poems because you don't know unless you ask the poet, you know? Yeah. Yeah, you really don't know what their intention was. You put the art in the world, the poem in the world, and other people have a different relationship with it than you do. So this is a rare occasion, yeah. But if you could read that poem on page 69, I think Mm -hmm. that is a great poem for us to read on WORT.
2: Okay. Yeah.
1: I'd come back from the grave to celebrate the end of capitalism. A sweating flower bed where my fantasies are singing. I'm a light sleeper, too many asters, taxonomies of sound. I'd come in a pair of wide legged Jinkos like I was meant to be, curious, maladaptive, Disused with unrationalized hopes. <laughs> I'd listen and view my people. No one is concerned with honoring success. The concept of success is gone. In the 90s, I knew a scene kid who dreamed about it on the regular. She had a reputation for going to rave parties barefoot so she could be close to the rotating bass lines, her body swan diving into the mothership of a 4-4 beat. Early morning in the trip-hop lounge, She once told me how it was going to be in the end. We stumble blinking into day, and the music would keep going without turntables, mixers, drum machines. Overnight, we remade ourselves, heartbeats of the earth, tricked by business as usual, restored to our original health. It wouldn't be the idea where we'd be all one, A cruel monotheism. Hearts got their own tertiary logic. Nothing is basic, but we would all be able to hear it. The beginning of new connections. Ability to bear music holding life on this planet. Dead for the last heart attack of this world, I'm a black girl dozing with blurry commuters on the Route 12 bus. On weekends, a fire opal hard at worship in the Temple of House. It's like when an opera singer bangs a high note and a champagne flute breaks, she explained. Except it would be us, crashing, unconditional, quaking in real time. The others have a saying, the beat goes on. Earth, fracturing livelihoods. Resurrected by the rhythm
0: of the night. Nice. And now folks can't see this, but this is a poem of couplets, right? Yep. I always wonder, like, so why couplets for this poem that uh, celebrates the end of capitalism? Um,
1: I wanted to tell a longer story, so. Okay. Anytime when I have something longer to say, I, I tend to use couplets. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I I do think that is um, the influence of reading so much fiction and writing stories when I was younger. I think that comes out in longer poems mm-hmm.
0: like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, nice. So um, we are well, you won't believe it, but we're actually getting close to our time, um, and so I have to think carefully about how we how we do this. But I want to compliment you on butterfly on a baby's head poem i really like that title and i yeah. really liked cows in the morning and i too have cow poems like um, <laughs> <laughs> i mean i grew up in iowa i've spent a foot in the urban and a foot in the rural my whole life and uh and cows are really cool you know yeah they are yeah so i yeah. think um I, I think we'll let people come to that on their own, but you um, have this poem called Lon- Lonely in a Fundamental Way that really got me with all the little rabbits. Um, that really did get me, Nikki. And, um, but I want to close on something that I, I thought was really beautiful, because you're also a mother, and that is referred to in this book, and you have mm-hmm. poems in here. But there was one I really liked. And it's the birthday poem, and I think it's a it's a good one to go out on. And I really like how it moves across the page as well, you know. And I think I met you right after you had your first child um, at the River West Co-op, and I remember it very well, meeting you at that moment. Yeah, with your new baby. So I thought this would be a, a good one for us to close on.
1: That baby is
0: seventeen years old. Whoa, really? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my goodness. I just remember his big old blue eyes, you know. And oh, it, my. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I have a good memory. I do. It's it's a blessing and a curse. Let me just say that. Yeah. Oh.
1: Yeah. Little Miles. Yeah. <laughs> little Miles is no Little
0: Miles. And he's named after Miles Davis, which, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. I remember that. Okay. Uh, birthday's on page 88. Okay. Birthday
1: pick some wildflowers, what was left, head-tossing leaves and primordial guides, new shoots growing off a ripe mother leaf in Cantalopala. One of your best sentences today was when I asked where you were. I'm by this tree mama, playing with gravel and crust. So you ran, laughed, made me search for your little cars that you tossed into a union of stinging metal. I was born today, and I'm not that bad at this parenthood thing in a sweated-up lounge dress, flip-on sandals incompetent headscarf, following you instead of taking a shower and watching my shows, guiding you back to the house Flex and place the litter blossoms in water. Change your pants first as you have birds all over your backside. Preheat the oven for chicken. Scall the dog for not cooling his strength when he plays with you. It's not the ideal flower arrangement, but why should it have to be?
0: Hmm. That's really nice. Really nice. I love it. The sweated-up lounge dress, slip-on sandals, and a competent headscarf. <laughs> yeah. and, and when you say, um, instead of following you, instead of taking a shower, watching my shows, I love that. My grandmas used to say my shows, you know? Yeah, my grandma did, too. <laughs> I was thinking, like, I wonder if that's the voice of your grandma coming into this piece, yeah. you know? Because yep. when you live with people, I notice this with my sister's kids, they're with their grandparents a lot. So they pick up their their language and their diction and the way that they speak. Um, Nikki, it has been a pleasure to have you on uh, Madison BookBeat, and um, people, I want you to go out and buy Nikki Walschlager's book, Water Baby, published by Copper Canyon Press. Um, thank you so much for being here and agreeing to be... It's so much fun to talk to you. Yeah,
1: Mm -hmm. This was a great way to spend a Thursday
0: evening. Yay! That makes me happy. (laughs) 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 I don't know about you, but we got some snow here. But I'm going to close this out, and um, I'm just going to remind people, you have been listening to Madison Bookbeat. Stay tuned this afternoon for All Around Jazz with Alex Welding-White. The Insurgent Radio Kiosk is up next. I've been your host, Angie Trudell-Vasquez, Keep it tuned here to Community Radio, WORT 89.9 FM, Madison.